0: This week's Get Booked is brought to you by Sadie by Courtney Summers. This is a book about a missing girl on a journey of revenge and a serial-like podcast following the clues she's left behind. Sadie explores the depths of a sister's love and is poised to be the next story listeners won't be able to pause. The audiobook is an innovative production featuring over 30 voices, and Macmillan Audio has collaborated with the author... Wednesday Books, which is the print book publisher, and Macmillan podcast to create The Girls, a serialized YA fiction podcast based on Sadie, which is available for download now. Start listening at MacmillanAudio.com slash Sadie. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 146, and we are recording on August 28th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot.
1: Hello. Yes, we are. Hello. <laughs> Accurate intro is accurate. <laughs> Sharifa and I got the date wrong when we were recording SFF yeah the other day. Oh, no. I mean, it's August. August is a black
0: hole for all productivity. Agreed. It is the Sunday of the summer. Nothing is happening. Yeah. My brain doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I have started setting, I like, the last day of the month, I usually do, like, goal setting for the next month in my mm-hmm. bullet journal, but I'm so tired of August and of summer that I have already started <laughs> September stuff.
1: Like, I'm already like, get pumpkin spice latte. Get me out of here. <laughs> I, I read online that pumpkin spice lattes this week are officially back at Starbucks. I can't. It, That's, important it's news. 95 degrees I was degrees just today. remembering how you and Rebecca declared um, 2017 over in, like, mid-November. <laughs> do you remember yes. that? Yes, because
0: it was the worst. It was the worst. It was the worst. It just, the year's done. Let's just move on. Yeah. August is done. <laughs> if I had like a Kim Kardashian voice, I would, August is finished. Anyway, what are you reading?
1: (laughs) I just started, just last night, I started uh, For a Muse of Fire by Heidi Heilig, which is the first book in her new series. Um, It comes out on September 25th. A while, sorry, sorry. Um, But so far, it's really good. It is sort of set in this, like... French colonized, it reminds me of Vietnam, actually, from what I know of, of Vietnam and during French colonial times. Um, and it's following this family of itinerant, like, puppeteers. Um, oh. And the daughter has the power to make the, like, they do shadow puppetry. And the daughter has the power to make the shadows move by attaching, like, like the soul of a firefly or, like, a frog to the little puppet puppet materials um, and then they're like animated and she can make them do things um, and she can also see and perhaps control like souls of like actual like like dogs or like people um, but uh, we're, I'm not at that part yet but however they did just survive like a shootout so there's a lot going on in the first like 50 pages like there's magic and then there's guns and you're just like wow okay we're like in this this is this is gonna be a ride um, so yeah I'm excited uh, to see where' it's going so that again is for a muse of fire by heidi heilig what are you reading
0: i'm still reading secondhand time it is taking me forever <laughs> just forever uh, which is probably unsurprising it's a really heavy work of like narrative journalistic non-fiction about people's experiences at the fall of the soviet union um and the transition from soviet russia uh to you know oligarchal capitalism um and it's it's depressing (laughs) so i find myself being like i will read five pages of this and then i will move on um but it's not just it's not just that it's depressing it's really fascinating how the russian people she's just like interviewing you know normal people on the street that she meets and how invested they were in ideas like the idea of russia as as a communist like they're all in you know like they are all in and the transition to that from, like, from from being obsessed with um, this idea of making, you know, the motherland great and spreading uh, communism to, you know, being obsessed with, like, getting blue jeans and the right kind of salami, because capitalism, uh, how, like, empty that makes people feel, mm. despite the fact that communism was so oppressive and mil- literally millions of people died, um, the, like, the mourning that they have for that is, like, just, What? <laughs> I mean... Uh, it's so interesting to me, and, you know, just American blinding privilege here. I don't get it, but mm. I, I, I'm really—enjoying is the wrong word, but it's it's slow going, but I'm glad that I'm reading it.
1: It's making your brain okay. tingly.
0: Yes, it is. So that's secondhand time by—I uh, didn't write her name down—Svetlana Alexievich. Um, yeah, Nobel Prize winner. You know who that is. Anyway, so how the show works— This is a show for reading recommendations, as I said. So if you need a reading recommendation for yourself or your book club or a gift, maybe you're traveling somewhere and want to read about it, uh, all the 15 million people going to Croatia this summer for all the requests (laughs) that we've gotten for that one, uh, you can write uh, any and all of those are fine. You can send those to us at bookwrite.com, or you can drop your request in the show notes on the site. There's a form at the bottom. Um, If you use the form and your question is time-sensitive, please make that like the first line of your question If you use the email and your question is time sensitive, put that in the subject line so we can be sure to get to it in time. We might email you back if we're not going to get to it in time or if we've already answered your question on the show. All right, feedback. Um, Let's see, from Sybil, who is one of our insiders, she has an extra recommendation for Best, who is looking for full cast audiobooks. Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom by Leigh Bardugo both have full cast recordings, and she thinks that they would work well for someone who liked His Dark Materials, which, Cosine, I love that duology, and I love Leigh Bardugo and everything she does and says in life. Um, And for the same person from Alana, who is also an insider, for the same person, she says anything by Tamora Pierce. At least one of her books is specifically written for audio, which I did not know. Um, And some were done by the company Full Cast Audio, which, as you can imagine, has full casts. So thank you all for your feedback. Jen's going to give us our first question. I will do our first sponsor and away we will go.
1: All right. First question is from Andrea, who says, "I was hoping you could help me find some books to get me through a sort of stressful time for the next two months. I'm going to be working three jobs in two states with seven hours of travel each way when I switch states every week. Good lord! I'm hoping to find some lighthearted yet well-written romantic comedies to help me de-stress during the long bus rides. I'm open to almost any genre as long as it's smartly written. I love Jane Austen, although not Austen retellings unless they involve zombies." <laughs> Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, Eleanor Oliphant, and This Is Where I Leave You. Stardust is my favorite Neil Gaiman novel. I was less keen on attachments and eligible because they felt a bit heavy-handed slash cheesy. It's been tough to find the right balance of lighthearted without being too sugary, so I would love any suggestions.
0: All right. Our first sponsor is Mirage by Samaya Daoud. This is from Flatiron Books. Um, this is a YA epic fantasy inspired by the author's Moroccan heritage. It's about a poor young woman who has to become the body double of a princess in a ruthless empire. Uh, BuzzFeed has said that you have, you know, prepare yourself for a story that's enriching, thrilling, and captivating. Those are all great adjectives. Uh, Veronica Roth has really loved it. She called it smart, romantic, and exciting. So check out this YA debut from Flatiron Books, who published Caraval and The Hazelwood. So if you were into either of those titles, you will probably like this one. So that's Mirage by Samaya Daud. Okay, I'm just keep going. Um, I picked The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang for this one um, because it is not overly sweet, I wouldn't say. The main character has Asperger's and is just not sweet. Like that's just not a gear that she has. Um, and it is own voices. Uh, the main character's name is Stella and she is a math person. Like she, her job is coming up with algorithm, algorithms to predict per, uh, customer purchases. So she's got a lot of money. She spent a lot of time studying math and working and not dating. She's 30 years old and is starting to feel like she has missed that boat and needs assistance. Um, She doesn't understand sex. She doesn't think she's good at it. Um, She doesn't get the like passion. None of that really makes any sense to her. So she comes to the conclusion that she needs to practice with someone who is a professional. So she hires an escort. His name is Michael. Um, and he can't, you know, he, like, accepts, agrees to help her out here, uh, and she's got, like, a list of all these things, like a lesson plan that she thinks she needs to learn how to do, like foreplay, <laughs> um, positions that are in the missionary position. What are those about? Like, she has things she wants to accomplish here. Um, but as we can imagine, because this is a romance, before too long, math is not the only thing that's going on between the two of them. Um, Stella is starting to realize that she doesn't, that she likes Michael, and it likes being around him, and it's not just because he is, like, helping her towards this goal that she has, or, or is helping her achieve certain things that she wants to achieve. Um, and it starts making sense, the two of them together, despite the fact that it makes no sense on paper, and this is not Pretty Woman. But, yeah, but it kind of is a little bit reversed, and that's great. So it's super, super fun and very sweet, and um, but not so sweet that you're going to want to, like, pull over and toss it out. Except just probably going to on your phone, so you wouldn't toss it out
1: either way. So that is The Kiss Quotient by Helen Wong. I really need to read that. It's been on my list for a while, and I just have to get to it one of these days. Um... <laughs> Story of our lives. I know. (laughs) There's so many books. Okay. Um, I picked you one that is a little of an edge case, but I think if you end up liking it, you're really going to like it, and then there's more in the series. It's Heroin Complex by Sarah Kuhn. Uh, It is the first in the Heroin Complex series, and I wouldn't call it sugary, but it is a little bit like wacky or slapstick. It's about a young woman named Evie Tanaka who is the personal assistant to a superheroine? Um, her, her best friend growing up has become this superhero named Aveda Jupiter. And she like basically runs around and like Aveda is a bit of a diva. And so Evie's job is to like run around and like make sure that like if she's getting a zit, she has the right concealer because like she's (sighs) going to get pictures taken of her and like like and make sure her like superhero costumes are like laundered correctly. And like to like calm her down if like she gets some bad press or like basically all of the things that you can imagine would be like the worst parts of being an assistant to a diva superhero. Like that's what Evie does. Um, and they've been friends forever and when the book starts you're a little bit like oh my gosh like why is she putting up with this and also on top of it there's like like the demons that Aveda fights are like really wacky like there's like demon cupcakes in the very first scene <laughs> so much fun Um. and so and as the book starts to unfold like the wackiness continues like the demon fights like you start to understand why everything is so weird but like it continues to be really weird and sort of silly Um. but there's a a A real intense sort of backstory to their relationship that sort of slowly unfolds over the course of the book and you also find out like why Evie has sort of (coughs) set herself in this very behind the scenes position because she's got like a really big secret Um, and everything is sort of forced to start being dealt with when Jupiter gets sidelined through an injury and she's like oh I know what we'll do Evie you will just have to pretend to be me for this like next little stretch until I'm better. Um, and so of course this like means that everything changes for everybody all the time. Um, there's a sweet romance in it there, but there's also really good sibling stuff. Um, Evie's little sister is going through a rough patch and they're, they don't have, their parents have died. So they're trying to deal with that. Um, and then Evie and Jupiter Aveda's, excuse me, uh Aveda Jupiter's relationship is really is a very complicated female friendship. And the way it's all handled, I just was so impressed that it managed to be such a fun book, but also have such emotional depth underneath all of the wacky. So I don't I'm not like a thousand percent certain you're gonna love this, but I think you should try it because I really loved it, and I think that this series is just so much fun and so well done. So that's Heroine Complex by Sarah Kuhn.
0: All right question two is from Therese who says I'm looking for a book about strong women that has a specific flavor to it. I can't describe it exactly but books that have that feeling that I've read are The Help and Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. I love books that focus on women's relationships with each other. Bonus points if it's historical fiction. Okay um I I, th- I also love this kind of like odd historical fiction literary fiction subgenre and I in my brain have been calling it Southern Women Fight the Patriarchy, because that seems to be, like, what it's about. I mean, in The Help and in Fried Green Tomatoes, it's very much about women banding together to passive-aggressively be bad at the people who are oppressing them in ways that are very satisfying. Like, in The Help, you know, I mean, you know, I don't have to explain it to you because you've already read it. So, I picked The Color Purple by Alice Walker, which I feel like is, like, the original book about Southern women fighting the patriarchy. Um, and if you haven't... The movie is also great, but I read the book first always. Um, so the main character's name is Seeley, and she is a young black girl. She's born into poverty uh, in the Deep South, and of course, segregation. She I, is abused by every man she encounters. Her father, eventually, her husband, her even her her stepchildren are terrible to her. Um, and there's this really um, not I don't know if poignant is the right word, but there's a, a point when her husband says to her. She, like, tries to curse him or something, and he says to her something like, you're poor, you're black, and you're a woman. You're nothing, you know? And the whole book is essentially about her finding other women to make a little community with and proving to each other and reassuring each other that that is not true. So she becomes friends and then eventually lovers with a woman named Shug, who is a jazz singer, and is, like, glamorous and lives her own life and can't be told and doesn't take crap from men and doesn't take crap from anyone, and to Seeley, who is you know a, a, a poor and essentially a house slave for her husband at this point, that is just magical. So she kind of latches on to They become really close, um, and then they become even closer. <laughs> and then uh, all while, while all of this is happening, the story is told through Seeley's letters that she's writing to God, who she envisions as an old white man. And so in her head, he is like the the uh, epitome of everything that is making her life difficult. And then she. Uh, learns that her sister, who was really the only person who ever showed her any strings-free love, who she thought was dead, isn't dead and is in Africa. Um, And so she starts writing her letters to her sister. And you just follow her from her childhood uh, in these, like, terrible circumstances, being treated really horribly, to how she forms, like, she sends out these nets and befriends all of these women who have maybe different circumstances or have made different choices, um, but who are all kind of struggling to hold on to their own... Personal value. Uh, And then they do that together as they grow up and grow older. Um, It's really, really lovely, really hard to read. As you can imagine, there's a lot of difficult topics and um, experiences in the book, um, but totally worth it. So that's The Color Purple by Alice Walker.
1: So I love, first of all, your subgenre categorization. Mine is Historical Women Fight the Patriarchy, but it's not Southern. I think they live in, like, New Jersey. I picked Girl Waits with Gun by Amy Stewart, which is the first of the Cop Sisters book. And to my mind, this has also that feel. Um, It is about uh, three sisters who live by themselves on, like, a little farm. Um, And they've been sort of almost living in hiding for about 15 years. Um, And one day, they are, like, going into town to do the shopping. In their like horse-drawn buggy, um, and it takes place in like the early 1900s. So, and and a and a like out-of-control driver runs down their their buggy, and um, and he's clearly like d- drunk and like well-connected and like you know like maybe has like ties to like organized crime, and everybody's like, oh, don't say anything. But Constance, who's the oldest sister, is like, um, excuse me, you owe me for destroying my property. <laughs> And this then embroils them in this sort of war with like a gang, like a literal gang. Um, and so she goes to see the local sheriff and um, and then also she is like she needs to take care of her family and she's trying to get a job and it's just really fascinating like there's all of this like there is this like I said like action-y like they're literally in a fight with a gang and they are three women living alone on a farm like that's intense um, but also it's about like these little minutiae of daily life like what is it like to try to get a job at a department store and, and what if you You are a woman who doesn't want to like, just roll over for this jerk who ran down your buggy. Like, what is what is it that you have to do in a very, like, pragmatic sort of like the stupid mundanities of legal claims, on top of which, like, they're maybe going to show up at your farm and throw bricks through your window. So, like, it's, there's a lot going on here. And it's the first in a series, and the books, like, their, their stories, this is all based on a real family of sisters also. So, Amy Stewart is, like, continuing their stories through the course of this, like, early 1900s. And it's all based on actual historical stuff so if you like that realism and you want like the plot of fiction this is this is a very good dose of that Um, i actually read this in like a two-person book group with my mom and we had a lot of fun talking about it so that's girl waits with gun by amy stewart and it's the first in the cop sisters book and that's k-o-p-p Okay, let's see. Next question. Oh, right. This question is from Mary and is very long, and we're not going to read it all, but she was incredibly comprehensive with the list of books that um, she included. So thank you, Mary, for for all of that. That was definitely helpful. Um, So the question is, my mother retired a couple years ago and has been using some of her newfound free time to read a lot more. I'm one of her main sources of reading recommendations, and I'm wondering if there's stuff out there that I'm missing that she might love. My recommendations tend to be mostly science fiction, fantasy, historical historical fiction and nonfiction with some YA that usually overlaps with SFF or historical. She also reads mysteries, but I'm not looking for recommendations in that genre at this time. One of my main goals in my recommendations has been writer and character diversity. There are enough recommendation lists out there of books by straight white guys. We are also both white women. So I feel that it is important for us to educate ourselves on the stories and perspectives of people different from ourselves. Um, Amanda, what did you pick for Mary's mom?
0: Okay, I picked The Kindness of Enemies by Leila Abulela um, because it is a mixture of historical fiction and literary fiction. Uh, Abulela is a Sudanese author, uh, and this book is about Natasha, who is half Russian, half Sudanese. She's a professor, a history professor, um, and her job is researching... Imam Shamil, who was a Muslim leader in the Caucasus in the 1800s, who, was, who led a like anti-Russian resistance movement. So this is what Natasha has been studying. And then she discovers that her, her favorite student, Oz, is a descendant of this guy, of Shamil, this guy that she's been studying, and in his house has his um, sword. And so she decides she's going to go to his house and talk to his mother, who's an actress, about um, their family's history and all of that. While she's there... Oz is arrested as a suspected terrorist in his house. And so Natasha has to start questioning everything she thought she knew about this kid. And it really starts to influence the way that she thinks about Imam Shamil. So while that's happening, you're following Natasha and her, um, the, as that, that event sort of sends all these ripples through her life. And, um, you know, the cops come to her and try to ask her all these questions about how much she knew or didn't know. Um, and why didn't she notice and all this kind of stuff. Um, And then you jump back in time to Imam Shamil's life and his um, kind of rule in the Caucasus over his people, why he was leading this resistance against Russia, um, how that sort of took form, which was by uh, he kidnapped a Georgian princess who was related to who, like, married into the Russian royal family, I think, if I remember correctly, and, like, took her hostage. Um, And then his son is taken by the Russians and grows up in the Russian court and so you follow him as well as he you know he's taken pretty young when he's a pretty little kid and then is raised in Russia as like almost a pet of of the Russian royal family and starts to kind of internalize that uh, and then it's like, it, it goes over like several decades of all of these characters' lives, especially Imam Shemil. Uh, so it is very much a look at like what it's like to be Muslim after 9-11, um, but also the ways in which resistance can be interpreted as terrorism by people doing the oppression. Uh, so I think it's a it's a really eye-opening book and the the back and forth jumps between perspectives make it very uh, page-turnery. Like you just want to keep going because you want to find out what happens to every single character. So that's
1: The Kindness of Enemies by Layla Abulayla. I also picked a straight-up fiction recommendation for you because based on your list, like you you pretty much had the sci-fi fantasy stuff nailed down. Um, so I picked Bone and Bread by Salima Nawaz, which was the first book I read last year, and I cannot... I Think about it all the time. Um, it just really stuck in my brain, and I think it would. It sort of is in line with some of the other fiction and nonfiction, in fact, that you've been reading. So this is a novel about two sisters, Bina and Sadana, and they grew up. their Their father was Sikh, and their mother was Irish, um, and they grew up in Montreal. Um, and their like family bagel shop was sort of in the Hasidic community of Mile End. So it's a really um, multicultural story. Just from the get go, and Salima Nawaz herself is biracial, and this is like partly, you know, inspired by her own life. So it it is an own voices book. Um, and these two young women. Oh, uh, trigger warning um, for eating disorders. Um, I am going to touch on it briefly. So if you don't want to hear about that as a plot point, like skip ahead. Um, okay. So Bean and Sedona, you meet them sort of as they are adults, but you're also getting flashbacks to your child to their childhood, and they lost both of their parents when they were teens teenagers um and went to live with their uncle and were really sort of traumatized by that loss um And when the book picks up in the present day, Sadana has died suddenly, and nobody knew that she was dead for like a week. Um, And so Bina is really struggling both with her grief and like why didn't anybody know sooner? Like she lived alone, but she had friends and family, and like she has all this guilt about like should am I not was I not a good enough sister? Um, And they're just as she's got so much emotional baggage tied up in this, and she's trying to sort of reconstruct what happened and like what like what what happened um and she's also dealing with the fact that she has a teenage son now and she's a single mother and he is starting to get to the age where he is wanting to know more about his father and she just sort of doesn't want to talk to him about it so it's a book that's about these really complicated Family relationships and sort of how our childhoods carry over into our adulthoods, and like what is the what does that look like, and what what can we do about it if anything, and how do we let go of trauma and grief? Um, how do we process those things? And the the relationships are just beautiful. Like it's just beautifully written, and everything felt so just so present and like juicy like it it just was so juicy to read about all of these feelings but it is there's a lot of feelings so like <laughs> not not um it's not light fodder, but it's also not so heavy. Like I'm thinking of like, like, for example, like A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara, where yeah. you're just like, oh my god, I can't breathe. This is so much. Like this book is not that dark. It has these nice moments of levity. There's some really amazing and fun sequences between Bina and her son. Um it like it has a lightness to it, despite the dark material, but it doesn't ever take its darkness lightly, if that makes sense. Um it balances it really beautifully. So again, that's Bone and Bread by by Salima Nawaz.
0: All right. Question four is from Valerie, who says, I'm wanting to read more fantasy and sci-fi books as there are two of my favorite genres, even though I haven't read a ton of books from either. I grew up with Harry Potter. I've recently read The Name of the Wind and Assassin's Apprentice and mostly enjoyed them, but I was very disappointed in the lack of female characters. I would love to read a fantasy or sci-fi book where several of the main characters are women and that isn't graphically violent and doesn't include explicit sex scenes. I've read and enjoyed the first two books in the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer and Jasper Fjord's Thursday Next series. Okay, I picked The Five Daughters of the Moon by Alina Likitalu, and this is the first book in the Waning Moon duology. And they're both pretty short. They're both like novellas from Tor. Um, So if you get them together, uh, you could probably read them in a couple days. And this is a fantasy duology Inspired by the Russian Revolution of 1917 and the last the last few months of the lives of the Romanov sisters. Um, so this is this is this is as you can imagine from the title about five women. So all the main characters are women, um, and you get two chapters of perspective of each sister. Uh, there's also a villain, Gargari Pratislav, who is kind of the Rasputin character here. And the fantasy element is that the um, empire is run on souls so you can take the souls out of animals to make jewelry or to make uh and they're kind of used as currency like the more rare that the being is that has been used to make the object the more valuable the object is and so um the sisters live in this really luxurious palace they have all you know everything they could ever want um while outside of the palace walls revolution is a stirring as you can imagine because it's based on the revolution of 1917 and so each of the sisters is responding to the situation in a different way one of them is six years old and has has started to uh, realize that the gargari is not who he says he is Um, one of the girls has started secretly selling all of her expensive stuff because she has like Fallen in love with a soldier and gotten involved with revolutionaries, and then you also follow Celestia, who is um, in line for the throne and who's supposed to be the Empress, uh, but she's kind of fallen under the spell of the um, of the Gargari, and, and you know things are happening there. I don't want to spoil it. It's hard to spoil this because you know what happens, and that's the thing about this duology is that you know what happened to the Romanov sisters, so you know what's going to happen to these girls, and so it's it's you open the book like already kind of a little bit heartbroken. But how they get there is so interesting, especially with the magic stuff woven in. Um, So that's The Five Daughters of the Moon by Lena Likitalu.
1: Interesting. Um, I picked a post-apocalypse book that I read recently that I really loved. Excuse me. It's called Bannerless by Carrie Vaughn. And it is the first in the series. Um, The first two are out now, plus a little novella that is a prequel. Um, And it is like... It's a murder mystery, but it's also a coming of age story, but it's also about like population control after a collapse. So like there's a lot going on, but it's told really like almost simply it's told very straightforwardly and there's not a lot of like big drama, crazy, whatever. Like it's almost like it's it's so focused on like what does this exact like life day to day life look like that it's it's kind of refreshing that it doesn't have this melodramatic feel that a lot of post-apocalypse stuff has. I really loved it. it takes place sort of within the lifetime of a of a person who witnessed sort of the fall of the United States um, due to both economic collapse and environmental collapse. You know, there's flooding and hurricanes and crazy storms and all of this stuff, um, and so everything like infrastructure basically is goes kaput, um, and the surviving people have to sort of figure out what 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 can they keep. And how are they going to not go through this again? And one of the things that they keep is birth control. So like, you know, upon adolescence, like people get an implant and then nobody can have kids until they have proven that they can take care of them. And what that looks like in this, you know, future is that you formed a household of four people. And this is one of another. This is the first, maybe only, population control like future vision that I've read that actually includes queer people on the page right from the get go, which is really nice. I mean, the main character is not queer, but like they're right there. Um, And so you have to form a household of four people, and um, in no like particular you know distribution. Um, and then you prove that you are sustainable like you can sustain your householders and then you get issued a banner and that lets you have one kid um, and the your community issues you the banner and there are like a limited number of banners available th- for the whole community so you're sort of in competition with each other to like prove that you can take care of a kid um, and then there's not really like a major government it's much more of that like community like everybody sort of works together and if you don't like you can get shunned and then and you're out on the road without resources or a place to stay. So nobody wants to do that. Um, but there are investigators who are also sort of mediators and help when people need assistance and can't handle their own business. And the main character, um, Enid, is an investigator. And she's kind of young, um, but she's really, you know, like, dedicated to this job. And they, she and her partner get called in to mediate a dispute um, or actually to investigate a suspicious death. Um, so, they, so she, like goes on the road to this other community to try to figure out like how this guy died and then you're also getting these flashbacks to how she became an investigator to sort of her teenage years and her first love and it's just so i loved it so much it's not as weird for example as the jeff vandermeer like it's much more straightforward um But it doesn't have graphic violence. The main character is a woman. There are no explicit sex scenes, although there is a love story. And, like, it's one of the most interesting, like... It, on a mundane level, it's one of the most interesting post-apocalypses I've read in a while. Just like how detailed Carrie Vaughn got with this vision of the future and how plausible it feels. Um, although I don't like the the like the, sh- there, it's a little hand wavy about the birth control like actual you know <laughs> creation, but that's fine. Like I don't, I kind of don't care because it's such an interesting vision, um, and I'm really excited to read the next one. So yeah, that's Bannerless by Carrie Vaughn. And it is time of speaking of, like, for things that are related to pregnancy and and, and other lady things. Yeah, that was a very unintentional segue. Our second sponsor is Chica Chocolate, um, where they infuse high-quality chocolate truffles with a Chinese herbal formula that promotes a better period. So it's not just an excuse to eat chocolate every month. The herbs target the root of challenging period symptoms um, by providing the support your body needs to maintain a natural hormone balance. So Chica customers have reported improvements in mood swings, PMS, cramps, acne, and a more regular blood flow, all of which are markers of a healthier cycle. And the box gets delivered directly to your drawer every month so that you can stay on your schedule. Um, so their mission is to change how we think about menstruation and truffles, but, I mean, that's a good combination. <laughs> um, and they sent me uh, some of these, and I tried them, and they, if you like that, like, really rich, dark chocolate, you know, that's like, you know, like 70% cacao, um, like you're definitely going to like the flavor of these. It's that kind of like really rich, almost savory chocolate, um, and, uh, yeah, as one customer said, um, it's made a significant difference in how I live with my period. I don't feel debilitated for days out of the month. I feel like myself. So if you are interested, go to chicachocolate.com to learn more. You can subscribe now and use code Chaching for 15% off your first month. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, and it's me again. The next question is from Tiffany, who says, I'm looking for an audiobook for the doctor I work for. He and his family with children aging from eighteen to six years of age travel by travel by car often. I'm looking for an adventure, even a true life adventure, that would capture the attention of the children as well as the adults without a lot of swearing, as they are a religious family. <laughs> Your help is appreciated. Amanda, why don't you talk for a minute? <laughs>
0: Okay, I picked The We Free Men by Terry Pratchett, which is the first book in the Tiffany Aching section
1: of the Discworld
0: universe, of which there are just a million, but this is a fine place to start. You don't have to have, you know, read any of the other ones. Um, I listen to this on audio often with my kids in the car, and so I can attest that it's perfectly appropriate for all ages. It's about a little girl named Tiffany who is, I think she's nine when the book starts, and she lives on the chalk which is a kind of a rural english countryside village sort of area um and her family are shepherds and she discovers that she is a witch to be um and this happens when her little brother is kidnapped by a monster who comes up uh, from another world and takes him away and uh tiffany become i don't know if befriends is the right word gets familiar with Meh. um a local gang of the knack Mac which are the wee free men. These are tiny, they're like six inches high, little blue men uh, who are magical and they are not pixies, they're (laughs) picked-sees, which Uh the Uh the, the narrator, like, is so good. And so they have these, like, super strong Scottish accents and the narrator does it so well and I feel like if I had read it like if I had read that kind of dialect on the page I would have been like what are they what are you talking about like this doesn't make any sense but hearing him say it it was so much easier to to understand what was happening so she like teams up with these guys to get her um her little brother back and while that's happening there's this Um, Kind of saw, it's not even a plot, but these like musings about Tiffany's grandmother, who was a shepherdess herself and was like very taciturn um, and wise, but didn't say much, did not have a lot of money um, and spent her whole life on, you know, on the farm raising her sheep. Uh, But at the same time was very much like a pillar of this community and was the person everybody came to when they needed you know, any questions answered or mystery solved or whatever. Um, and then you realize that her grandmother, Granny Aching, is what they call her, her grandmother was a witch, and Tiffany is, like, going to take her spot in this area. So it's kind of a coming of age where Tiffany realizes um, what... Her, her kind of powers are. And the great thing that I love, the thing that I love about this magical system, which, you know, if the, if the family is like super religious might make this like easier to swallow. Uh, Cause sometimes families like that are like not cool with the magic stuff, is that so much of it is just common sense. But Tiffany keeps saying, just because you know how something works doesn't mean it isn't magic. And so a lot of things are explained that seem super magical, but are really just like people using their brains <laughs> and not, not being prejudiced or thinking outside the box um, to make something that looks impossible happen. That said, there are tiny little blue men. So it's not like this world is completely common sense magic. There is actual like fantasy stuff happening. But it's this great adventure. It's it's about a little girl, you know, growing up and conquering evil and saving her brother and family and all of that kind of stuff. I think it would be a great pick for a family road trip. So that's The Way Free Men by Terry Pratchett.
1: I picked kind of a classic in part because my local park is doing a movie. Uh, movies in the park and they just played the movie version of A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline L'Engle, which the movie is obviously pretty different from the book, but I really enjoyed it. Um, And the book is so good and totally appropriate for ages 18 to 6, which is a tricky thing to manage. Um, But I feel like because it's also so, like having a pop culture moment, it would be really fun to listen to as a family. Um, I probably don't have to explain the plot of A Wrinkle in Time, but I'm gonna anyway, because maybe you haven't read it yet. I didn't read these until I was older, so you never know. Um, it is about the Murray family, and Meg is the teenage, um, and I think she's the oldest in the family. Um, and one night, it's, like, very stormy, and she goes downstairs, and her, like, very young, sort of prodigiously smart brother charles wallace is already down there and um her mother also shows up too and sort of none of them could sleep and there's a knock on the door and a very strange person comes in and tells them that like extra dimensional time travel is possible and oh yeah that's like (laughs) that's where meg's father has disappeared to and they're like what um and so this is sort of the start of the adventure. Um, Meg and Cal or excuse me, Meg and Charles Wallace and then their friend Calvin end up going on this like crazy fantastical adventure to try to rescue her father. Um and Madeline Langle, there you know, it's interesting reading this as an adult. Like I can see the sort of Christian the influences of Christianity on this book, but it's not like very I didn't think it was like so much. Um but you know, it is a big fight between good versus evil. But there's also so like, you know, like flying centaurs and like alien <laughs> beings and, you know, it, all kinds of really cool um, action and, uh, and thought. And there's some interesting, fun, like educational bits, like thinking about like how the universe works. I love this book. Um, so again, that's A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle.
0: All right. Question six is from Jessica, who says, I need a recommendation to fulfill the Read Harder Challenge second task, which is read a book of true crime. So far, a lot of what I'm finding is things about serial killers or school shootings, and for various reasons, books about murder, shootings, and extreme violence are too triggering for me to get into at this point. But surely, there must be true crime books about other topics. If it were a movie, I'd think something like Ocean's Eleven or Catch Me If You Can. Books about abductions or kidnapping are okay, as long as they aren't too grisly or graphic. Okay, I picked The Man Who Loved Books Too Much by Allison Hoover Bartlett, which is about a rare book thief who is completely nonviolent and doughy and fine. Like, there is no violence in this at all, and... I don't know, it's like, if a crime could be heartwarming, rare book thievery is probably it. (laughs) Um, So this is about John Charles Gilkey, who, as you can imagine, stole books, (laughs) rare books. Um, And Alison Hoover Bartlett is a journalist who discovered his, uh, you know, that this guy existed and that this whole world existed, that like rare books were um, targets for thieving uh, and that this guy was doing it, that Gilkey was doing it like across the country like he would travel he had a whole system set up to get rare books off of stores and then she meets ken sanders who was a book dealer on the west coast yeah um who, yes who became like really attached to the idea of catching this guy um and so like to start taking it personally almost so she teams up with ken sanders and like follows him around and Uh, goes to like rare book fairs and then eventually she meets Gilkey who was in prison for a while and starts talking to him about his motivations and his methods for how he stole the books where he was keeping them um she tries to like gain his trust so he'll tell her where some of the books that haven't been found are hidden and all of this um and I you know anybody who who is a reader and who loves books this book is so it's so interesting because I don't love books that much like I don't Rare books are not a thing that I'm, like, into. Books as objects aren't really necessarily a thing that I'm into. So this was a uh, an extreme end of, like, bookishness that I don't relate to, which I'm not used to. Like, I'm not used to there being a level of book bookishness to which I don't relate. But this is it. <laughs> like, this dude is it. And the, the really interesting about, thing about Gilkey is that he's not a reader. Like, the more Allison talks to him, you can see in his interviews uh, with him that he's not a book person. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't. He can't recall plots. He's not interested in authors for their own sake. He isn't reading the books that he's stealing. He's he's stealing them as, as status symbols. Like it's more really about late stage capitalism and the things that it drives people to do um, than it is about bookishness or a love for books. Whereas Ken Sanders, who is his foil in this book and you know in real life is into books he is like a book person which I think the fact that Gilkey isn't makes the crimes all that more like enraging to him and he is a character let me tell you what Ken Sanders the guy in this book um so that is The Man Who Loved Books Too Much by Alison Hoover Bartlett
1: I know I mentioned this before but I've met Ken Sanders <laughs> <laughs> is he like as cranky as oh my gosh he is in the, book? the crankiest he's the <laughs> <Yes>. actual crankiest <laughs> when when I worked in the bookstore in salt lake city we did a panel with some other book people and he he owned or I don't know if it's still there but he owned a bookstore in salt lake city for a while Mm -hmm. um and he was just the crankiest about everything that's he is he is like crankiness embodied um
0: yeah it's very much like I get where you're coming from but (laughs) (laughs)
1: like
0: this is important but it's not that important you know
1: what I'm saying anyway yeah um (laughs) Yeah, he is like the patron saint of cranky booksellers. Um, Okay, I picked sort of uh, like apparently I'm feeling classics of certain genres for this episode. I picked The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean um, for you because it is one of like the most classic true crime that's not about murder. Um, And if you you mentioned like Ocean's Eleven or Catch Me If You Can, if you have not seen adaptation, which is sort of like a meta adaptation movie of The Orchid Thief, you should definitely watch it after you finish reading the book. Um, But this is literally, this book is literally about the orchid black market, which is a real thing, surprise. Um, Who knew that like flowers could be so like, black marketable <laughs> <laughs> not me um, and I do think that this book is really worth a it. read it's a really interesting work of journalistic nonfiction she follows this guy John LaRoche through like you know the Florida swamps into these like you know back alley deals and and you know all of these like and LaRoche is a really you know like not exactly a good guy and like there's all these like you know environmental like people in both government and environmental Environmentalists who want to stop him from doing what he's doing. and it is just it's fascinating there's like huge like characters and you're just like what is this like really this is a thing oh my gosh I can't believe this is a thing um but it is it's really fascinating and you learn about botany and also yeah like flower smuggling like what more do you want um and they they've updated the edition a couple of times because this book was first published in like yeah 98 um so it's been a minute um Is that, how many years is that? 20. 20 years yeah Yeah, 20 years wow so okay so yeah so it's been right so 20 years so they did um they did a 15 year edition that has an extra essay from Orlean in it so if you want to um sort of get like her looking back on it as well make sure you find that edition but yeah it's, it's great and then watch adaptation because it's it's well worth the movie experience so that's Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean And our last question is from Darcy, who says, I recently realized that a premise I always love, whether in movie, TV, or books, is unlikely groups stranded together somewhere due to inclement weather. I have always, (laughs) it is a good subgenre. Approve. It is. Approve. Um, I have always loved huge snowstorms and the resulting inability to go anywhere, do anything but hang out at home and read. I love seeing or reading about characters in a similar situation. It doesn't necessarily have to be a snowstorm that's keeping the characters stranded, but that's my favorite. Open to any genre, but prefer romantic or other interesting interpersonal plot points to scary ones. I'm just going to keep talking. The book I picked for you is one from my TBR. It's The Big Bang Symphony, a novel of Antarctica by Lucy Jane Bledsoe. And um, this... so. Bledsoe has been to Antarctica a bunch and three times and that and so this novel is based like very much on her own experiences and she's also a Lambda Literary Award finalist um, a, along with a bunch of other awards. Um, a particular Forward Magazine's Gay and Lesbian Fiction Book of the Year, Best Book for General Audiences so like she's like award winning like sort of off the radar writer that I don't feel like a lot of people know because I didn't know her until I was I like, felt down this rabbit hole looking for things for this question Um, and I can't like I have this on hold I'm so excited to get to it it is about these three women who end up like in Uh, at the South Pole Station Um, they are all there for different reasons Um, one of them is returning for her like third visit one of them is a young composer whose partner has died um, and she's going to the ice as it's called as an artist in residence and um, she has like a couple of reasons to be there and then the third one is a graduate student in geology who is like going to start her career um, and is trying to also navigate Navigate a complicated relationship with her postdoctorate advisor, um, and so, and then um, the uh, like flight crash lands. So they all like find themselves sort of thrown together, and um, there's like some people fall in love and some people like find themselves dealing with things that they didn't think they were going to have to deal with. Um, and it's that sort of that like hot house, like, okay, we're just like stuck together in this situation. And now we're going to learn all these things about each other and ourselves that well, like, maybe we're not ready to learn, but here we go. Uh, so again, that's the big bang symphony by Lucy Jane Bledsoe.
0: Okay. I picked Snow Spelled by Stephanie Burgess, which is actually recommended by Jess Pride, one of our contributing editors. Um, and this is a fantasy uh, take on the stranded together in the snow kind of story. Um, you, the, it takes place in England, <laughs> not <laughs> England.
1: Um,
0: and the main character is a woman named Cassandra, who is England's first female magician. Um, so in this universe, elves and humans have uh, a treaty. They're, they like don't get along, but they have a treaty that's allowed them to live in peace. Uh, humans have to pay a toll when they travel to or from Elven lands, and Cassandra and her brother uh, and some members of her family have been invited to a house party at Cosgrove Manor. Cosgrove Manor, which exists like really, really deep off in the Elven you know land, um, and so they go out there, and it starts snowing really badly, and this causes a lot of problems because Cassandra is a magician, and she's she's a great magician, the first female magician in the country. Um, she's constantly having to battle. The gentleman's, you know, club, boys club of dude magic people. Um, except she tried to cast a spell four months ago that went super badly. So now if she tries to do any magic, she's probably going to die. So she can't, like, combat the spell in any way uh, or the snow in any way with magic. At the same time that this is happening, she had a fiancé who she's broken up with because he is a great mag- uh, magician in and of himself. Um, and she's broken up with him because she doesn't want to hold him back. Now that she can't do magic, she doesn't know what her life is going to be like. So she's broken up with him, but she's stuck with him in this house party. Um, And so there is a an elf lord who does not, who has like malicious intent. um, And this snowstorm that's happening that's trapped them in this house probably has something to do with someone in the house having angered that that elf lord. Also, the local troll population is getting upset. Like things are just not going well. So she has to navigate all of the guests, her ex fiance. Um, the women who control the country's politics, who are there, other gentlemen uh, magicians who like look down on her and um, solve the problem, like find out what has angered this elf guy, make the snow go away so they can all leave and are eaten by trolls, all without using any kind of magic because if she does, she's going to die, and her ex boyfriend won't stop hitting on her. So all of these things, all of these things are happening because snow. So that is <laughs> snow spelled by Stephanie Burgess,
1: <laughs>
0: and that is. Oh wait, no, did you already go? I did. Goodness gracious, my brain. Sunday of summer <laughs> is August. Okay, that is our show. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Please leave us a rating, or review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. You can find us on social media. I'm mostly on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson.
1: And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that's Jen with two N's IRL.
0: And we will talk to you all next week.